0: I speak to you today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In our gospel lesson today, uh, we have a request, we have a sacrifice, and we have a promise. A request, a sacrifice, and a promise. Uh, today we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. That's why the hangings are white and uh, the, the docile is white. It is the last Sunday of the church year. Uh, I am a person who likes order and organization, and I love that our church here in the Anglican Church is ordered around the life of Jesus Christ. Next Sunday will be the first Sunday of a new church here, the first Sunday of Advent, and it follows Jesus's life. It begins with uh, the angel appearing uh, to Mary, telling him about the birth of Jesus that is to come, and then we, we have the birth at Christmas, and then him revealing himself to the world in epiphany and work on through to Lent, where he's preparing to go to the cross and ultimately all the way through to the season of Pentecost, which we are just coming out of, that long uh, green season, if you will, at the end, 22 or to 24 weeks of it, depending on the year, where we have green hangings. But this is the last one, and it is the one where we celebrate uh, the kingship of Jesus Christ um, and that got me to thinking about what kingship is and what Christ kingship means and what it looks like in the world and in our lives and it brings me to this question and that is can we really believe it do we really believe in the kingship of Jesus Christ a king uh, traditionally, is a male who rules a country or a region based on birthright. And certainly, Jesus, as the Son of God, is called to rule the world based on his birthright. But other synonyms for kingly are aristocratic, high-born, upper class. And as I was thinking about Advent and moving to that season where we celebrate Jesus' birth, I thought to myself, being born in a feed trough where the animals are around is a lot of things, but it is not aristocratic. It is not highborn. It is not upper class. So ultimately, friend, Jesus was not what the Jews expected. They were looking for a military king to metaphorically ride in on a white horse, a warrior to regain their place in the world and re- uh, acquire for them their lands. But friends, Jesus's kingship is different. It is different from what the world calls us to or what we think of when we think of kingship and it is different from what the people of Jerusalem, were looking for. See, ultimately, kings rule with authority and they rule over a place. Uh, today, the church gathers to celebrate Christ's kingship, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has taken his place in heaven to judge the world and to judge you and me as well. Scripture tells us that uh, Jesus has been given All authority on heaven and earth think about that for just a minute all authority on heaven in heaven and earth so the question for us then becomes do we give him all authority in our lives I cannot answer for you all but I can answer for myself and the answer to the question do I give him all authority in my life is a resounding no I do not I give him limited authority in limited areas at limited times when it's convenient for me. When I need something, when I'm praying for a friend who's sick, when I'm overwhelmed with work, when I'm struggling in my marriage, when I'm worried about my children, at that point I reach out to God and ask him for his help and for his authority. Anybody who's a parent understands this. I don't remember who said it, but I think it's a wise uh, adage, the the old saying, uh, for anyone who has children, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. (laughs) Do we give him authority? So anyway, I was thinking about this idea of kingship and that it's largely lost much much of its meaning in today's world and particularly in America. Just the idea of the word king, I was thinking what came to my mind immediately, and I'm ashamed to admit that uh, what came to my mind is people whose nicknames are the king. I thought about Elvis. I thought about other people that we call the king. Uh, As the son of a coach, I immediately go to sports figures, and I thought about King LeBron James, the great basketball player. I thought thought about Arnold Palmer, who was called the king. I used to go to the practice round at the Masters with my dad, and I had a sticker on my shirt one time that said Arnie's Army. I was part of the army of that king as a 10-year-old kid. And uh, as a a, a redneck from Fort Mill, South Carolina, and a firm lover of all that is PD, I couldn't think about uh, kingship without thinking of NASCAR and Richard Petty. (laughs) King. <laughs> Darlington, too tough to tame. So then, what does kingship mean for us? Look with me, if you will, at today's gospel because we have a different version of it. We have Jesus hanging on the cross. It's in your pew Bible on page 1124, but also in your service bulletin. But Corey started a verse early because I asked him to. The very first thing that Jesus does or says when He's hanging on the cross, He's just been crucified one verse before, and He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The King of kings and Lord of lords has been nailed to a piece of wood by Roman soldiers, and His first act post-beginning of the crucifixion is to ask his heavenly Father to forgive them for they know not what they do. I like to think and I trust and hope that he says that same prayer for you and for me daily. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We fall short. His earthly life, Jesus' ending in humiliation and shame on The cross this is the kingship that we worship and that we acknowledge today on Christ the King Sunday so as I said earlier there's the request there's the sacrifice and there's the promise the request that Jesus makes father forgive them for they know not what they do looking for forgiveness for the world there's the sacrifice Jesus dying on the cross mocked by one thief and acknowledged as king by the other thief and then ultimately there is the promise and look with me if you will at the very last verse of our gospel lesson today the second thief on the cross says jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom he is acknowledging jesus for who he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he asks Jesus this question, Jesus gives him the promise. And the promise is not just for him, but it's for you and for me and for all who would believe and place their trust in Christ. He says, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And i'm old enough that i grew up on the king james version of the bible and whenever it says truly in our newer translations it used to say verily verily i love that word verily verily it's making very into like an adjective i don't know how it works or an adverb you should ask an english major but (laughs) verily verily this is important this matters it is very important verily verily i say to you Today you will be with me in paradise. And this word, these two words, with me, that is the promise that Jesus makes, that we will be with him and we will be with those who have gone before. Earlier this week, I bumped into a member of our parish Uh, Betty Fowler who recently lost her mother and she was back to being the same old Betty cheerful exuberant I said how are you doing she said I'm doing great I said I know you miss your mom but it's great to see you doing great and she said I miss her but you know she's with my father she was ready to go it was her time and I'm gonna get to see her again And she said it with all of the conviction and truth that I would say, I'm going to lunch this afternoon with my wife. It's the truth and she believes it. Today you will be with me in paradise. And relationships ultimately are rooted in that withness, being with Those we love. That's why it's important for us to gather together in this space. God doesn't need us in the pews, but we need to be with each other and with the Lord when we come to eat the body and drink the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We're getting ready to enter into the holiday season where people take planes, trains, automobiles to be physically with those that they love. So then, brothers and sisters, how are we to believe this truth of Christ's kingship? I think that we can believe it historically, we can believe it scripturally, and we can believe it from Jesus himself. Historically, friends, as of 2015, there were 2.3 billion Christians in the world. Think about that for just a minute, 2.3 billion, with a B, uh, representing nearly one-third of the total population of the earth, saying they professed to be Christians. Uh, Tertullian, an early church father, uh who we read when I was in seminary back in the day. He lived around 200 A.D. And one of the things that he said when he was making the argument for the truth of Christianity, the truth of the resurrection, the truth of who Jesus was, is he said, I believe it because it's absurd. I believe it because it is ridiculous. This notion that God would come into the world as a lowly servant born in a manger would die on a cross and would be raised from the dead. If it weren't true, this story would have died out immediately. If it weren't real, the story would have gone away in a period of weeks or months or days. But here we are 2,000 years later. It has to be true because if it weren't true it would not have survived it is a ridiculous story it's not how any of us would write the script on how to send the son of god into the world to save it so friends believe the truth of Christ's kingship believe it historically believe it scripturally Jesus, at his baptism, the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter's confession of who <laughs> Christ is. Jesus asked Peter, who does the world say that I am? And he, they give him these answers, and then it gets personal, as all relationships do. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Friends, there is a request, a sacrifice, and a promise. Jesus' request on the cross for the criminal beside him and for you and for me. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you and I and for all who would believe. 2.3 billion Christians in the world today. And finally, there is the promise. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Presence with our Father, presence with Christ himself, presence with those saints who have gone before. Friends, ultimately the question that Jesus asked Peter is the question (coughs) that he asks everyone, who do you say that I am? This question is ultimately not historical, rhetorical, or even simply scriptural, though it is all of those things. Ultimately, friends, the question is simply personal. And Jesus himself is asking, Who do you say that I am? It's a question that each of us must answer today, tomorrow, or at the end of of these mortal earthly lives. It is the only question. Who do we, brothers and sisters, say that he is? This Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is asking you and me today, who do you say that I am?